If you take your Bibles and join me in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, we're going to break away just for today from our series on the believer's armor. We're headed to the Gospel of John, the very last chapter of the Gospel of John. There is a game that some of you have played. It's called Tribon. And basically what it is, is you take three different items that are given and you have to figure out what connects the three. What is the common denominator? Let me see if I can just illustrate before we do a little bit of it. What do the following have in common? All three are something. What is it? They're trees. They're trees. Okay. I'm going to give you some of these and nobody answer. Let others just think about it because some of you are so quick-witted, you'll get it right away. Some of the rest of us need more time. So when it, just keep the answers for a few seconds. Just think about it. What do these three have in common? Figure it out. They all have eyes. Very good. Here we go. What do these have in common? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Tell the person next to you how smart you are. Okay. What are they? Ah, okay, they're all, they're all types of cards. Here we go. These are so simple. You're thinking about it. If you know the answer, tell that person so they know that you got it. What's the answer? They're all different types of berries. Very good. Very good. Here's one. What do these all have in common? Think about it. Thinking about it. Thinking about it. What's the answer? They're all different types of stations. Okay. Here we go. You're thinking on it. You're thinking. You're thinking a little bit more. You've got it. Okay. What's the common? They all deal with engines. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now you got it. Now it makes perfect sense, right? Here we go. What do these all have in common? The answer is, I mean, once you hear the answer, you go, yeah, now I got it. Did you get it already? What is it? They all have whites. Okay. Ah, yeah. Okay. Here we go. You're thinking. Make sure sure you tell the person next to you that if you got it and they didn't, you rub it in. What's the answer? Oh, see, that one is too easy. So we need to do something a little bit harder. You got to think about it. Think about it. Think on it. What is it? The smallest of their kind. The smallest state, dime, Pluto. Okay, this one's the tough one. Think about it. Peter, preachers, and parents. Hmm. Hmm. If it's a hint, look at the sermon notes, the title. They all do what? They're all feeding lambs. They all have something to do with the little ones or of different ages that they're feeding. In John 21, this is the first time it's mentioned. Feed the lambs. Where it's specifically, clearly pointed out. And it's not to a parent, it's not to a preacher, though they have that responsibility. It is to the Apostle Peter at the time of his winding down, Jesus winding down his earthly ministry. Jesus comes to him. And he's going to talk with him after he is already resurrected. And he's in those 40 days that he's walking around. And he's going to come and he's going to say to Peter in this text, Feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, and feed my sheep. Now, I, I put it down so you can see 
Okay, despite your English translation, you can see that he does repeat some of the different terms as far as the commands and when he's referring to the different, um, the ages of the animals, the sheep that are fully grown as well as the lambs. So that's specifically, literally, how he makes this comment. But what he's making very clear to Peter, he says, Peter, I'm giving you an important job. It's extremely important for this reason, reasons. I'm giving you a job of feeding the lambs, feeding the sheep, and it's important because you've got a big responsibility. The word that he uses, the bosque, is the feed. The poimen is more than just the feeding. It is protecting, guiding. It is the idea of shepherding. It is the idea of pasturing the sheep. It's protecting, leading, giving direction to. So there's a really big job to do here, a responsible job, an important job. And it's not just common because these are the sheep of Jesus Christ, my sheep, when he's talking to Peter, when he burdened my heart to come here, when he gives parents, children, to be able to guide. Those children really belong to the Lord. They're just on loan to you as parents. And so what he talks about is but not only just the, sung, the youngest and the smallest, but he's talking about even those who are a little bit older. And he's giving the whole gamut. You've got to be able to feed the young. You've got to be able to feed the old. And so he's giving us this very, very important job. And again, I repeat, pastors have that today. Parents have that job. And when we look at this text, maybe the job for you isn't feeding the lambs in the same way that I'm supposed to. But maybe you're, you have a job of feeding the lambs in a Bible study. Maybe you've got the job of feeding the lambs while you are trying to teach and help and have the responsibility of, of engaging younger brothers and sisters as the older teen. Maybe you have the responsibility of teaching a class. Or maybe you have the responsibility of doing other ministry. Instead of just feeding lambs, maybe your responsibility is visitation to somebody who is on the far end of their life. And they just need encouragement as a widow or as an elderly person. And you've taken it upon yourself to be a giver to them, a watch person for them. Or maybe you have the responsibility of at work, you have authority over other people. Or you have as, as one of those who's involved with some musical group or some sports team, and you're one of those setting the example for the others. Whatever the responsibility is, God in this text is saying that you who have the important job, you can be successful in whatever task I've given you. Jesus is talking to Peter. The application ladders down to us. You can be successful in whatever responsibility he's given you, in if you follow two simple truths illustrated in this passage. The simple truths, again, I want to make sure you understand that it's a time in Peter's life where Jesus is saying, even though you've stumbled, you can be successful as long as you're humble. Even if you stumble, you need to then be humble before the Lord. Why do I say that from this account? Where do we get that from Peter's story here at this passage? Because in this story, God is asking Peter to do a job, and he's making it very clear. I want to use people who aren't perfect. You, you see the commercials, you know, when it talks about being in foster parents or whatever, that you don't have to be the perfect parent. You know, we all want to be, but we all know within hours we're not the perfect parent. We are flawed. And so in this story, he's saying, Peter, I want to use you. You're not a perfect person. And we know Peter is far from perfect. We know that the story, at the time that this happens, Peter, Peter's blown up big time. 
Peter, just weeks before this, now Jesus has, has um, already resurrected, but you remember all the way back to that time, that last supper that Jesus had with the disciples. During the last supper, when they're eating, Jesus is going to tell Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's response is, no, I won't. I'm not going to deny you, but by the time the cock crows in the morning, Peter's denied three times. And yet now, weeks later, Jesus still wants to use him. An imperfect person, a flawed person. But Peter had argued and said, I'll never, he never intended to. He didn't plan on it, but he did fall flat on his face. And then as time went by, what happened is that Jesus came to him and said, hey, I'm going to forgive you. And Jesus was coming now. After he had met with him in private, Peter and the others had gone up to the Sea of Galilee and they started fishing again. And Jesus comes and says, I want you back. I want you serving once again. I have this job. The job that I told you, that I called you to become a fishers of men. I have this job still waiting for you. Even though you've blown it, you're imperfect. I want to use you. You've stumbled. But if you're humble, I can use you. And Peter fits the bill. Peter is humble enough that Peter admits he's a sinner. Oh, he's done that weeks before, months before. In fact, at the time that he met Jesus, not the first time, but the time that he met Jesus walking along the seashore, Jesus got into his boat and they go back out and he says, cast your net. And Peter's response is, we fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus said, now cast your net again, which was the inopportune time. They usually fished at night, but he casts and he gets such a big draught of fish, it says. But the passage says, Peter falls down before Jesus and he says these words to Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Peter realized in his life, prior to this point of John 21, Peter realized that he was a sinner, which fits all of us. Because the Bible says, how many of us have sinned? For all have sinned and come short of the standard of the glory of God. There is how many who are not righteous? None. We're all, we're all fallen short. And so Peter had that moment in his life where he fell down and he says, I don't deserve your blessing. I don't deserve to be before you. And you and I have had to have that moment. We have to humble ourselves before the Lord to say, I need a Savior. I'm not good enough to get it to heaven by myself. I'm a sinner, and as a sinner, I deserve to go to hell. For the wages of sin is death. But God gives us the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Peter accepted that gift. Have you? It calls for real humility. Real humility that says, I am not good enough. I need somebody else to rescue me. And so Peter did that. He was humble enough. Now Jesus comes and says, hey, listen, you've also got to be humble enough to stop arguing with me. I want to use you. Though you've stumbled, you've got to become humble. Humble enough to stop arguing with me. This is Peter's tendency. Up to this point, Peter has done this frequently in the Gospels. When Jesus has said something, Peter pipes up and says, no. No, and he argues with him. Do you remember we talked about it last week? Just weeks before this account, Jesus had revealed to, the, to Peter and the disciples that I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And when I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer. They're going to be cruel to me. And then I'm going to die, be buried. And Peter's response was, this shall never be. This can't happen. And Jesus responds to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And you would have thought Peter, you know, he did learn at that moment, you would have thought Peter would never argue with the Lord again. But then we go to the Last Supper. 
And there at the Last Supper, Jesus, as the meal progresses, Jesus gets up and he dons the attire of the one who's going to be washing the feet, which was a custom that you would treat anybody who came into your home, whoever's hosting it, you would greet them by washing their feet. And Peter never did it. And so now all of a sudden Jesus gets up and he starts going around and washing the feet of the disciples. And Peter's response as Jesus is doing that, Peter says, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and he says to Jesus, when Jesus says that, you know, I'm going to wash your feet, he, he says, you will never wash my feet. But by the way, I've left a word off. That he, the title that he gives Jesus in both of these situations. In the comments that he makes, he starts off calling Jesus Lord. Isn't that ironic? Lord, I'm going to tell you what to do and what you're not going to do. And that's where Peter's at. And Peter argues and says, you shall never wash my feet. And that's when Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you'll have no fellowship with me. And Peter then responds and says, well, if that's the case, then wash me entirely. Give me, you know, just give me an entire shower. And so there's, you would think Peter would learn, I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I'm not going to argue. But later on in that meal, Jesus says, you're going to deny me. And Peter says, though everyone else at this table deny you, I will never deny you. And Jesus responds, he says, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm praying because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And Peter then, we already said, Peter the next morning, despite his, his pride and his arrogance, Peter denies the Lord. Point is, Peter is given to arguing with the Lord. As the Lord leads, as the Lord guides, Peter has a better plan, his own idea, and he, he resists the Lord. Good thing nobody in this room does that. And Peter has to learn. And this time, at this moment, he learns to stop arguing. Doesn't mean he shuts his mouth, as we're going to see in a moment, but he stops arguing. He is learning to be humble and to cast all of his cares upon the Lord. He is learning to stop thinking he's better than others. As the story unfolds, just let me read that section again, where we're at in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jodas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Feed my lambs. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And Peter said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. It's interesting how Jesus starts off. The very first time, do you love me? It's the only time he adds more than these. And the question is, what is he referring to? Oh, there's, there's a number of folk who are good folk, good Bible students, who would say he's talking about the sheep. Are you ready to give up, I'm sorry, the, the fish? Are you ready to give up the fish? Are you ready to give it up once and, once and for all and be done with it? I personally don't think that that's what it is. My personal feeble interpretation is that these refers to the other disciples. The reason I say that is as he's talking through is when you go back to the first night where Jesus and Peter were talking, the night of the Last Supper, Peter said, though everyone else would deny you, I fully expect Matthew, he'll blow it. <laughs> My brother, 
Yeah, he'll blow it. James and John, the sons of thunder, they'll blow it. I can see where they would fall flat. And, and I, though the others would deny you, I will never do it. Now, weeks later, Jesus is saying to him, he says, do you love me more than the other disciples? You thought you did. You were very quick to criticize the others. You were very quick to assume that you would do better than others. Now, where are you at, Peter? Are you humble enough to stop making yourself better than others? Are you humble enough to stop comparing yourself? Are you humble enough to not boast about what you've done or what you will do? And Peter, at this point, he's no longer quick. In fact, the words that he uses in response are very insightful. Do you agapas? The idea of deeply committed love. And if you were to tear it, on which love is probably the most predominant, you would have this one. And he says, Lord, I really, 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 really like you. He's more careful. He's not pompous. He's not arrogant. Jesus asked him, do you really love me with that big, big, big love? And his response is, Lord, I really, I, you're my dearest friend. I flow you. And then he asked him, do you really, really flatter oh, me? And he's, his response is, Lord, you know, you know, I flatter oh, you. I really love you. Peter is far more cautious. He isn't singing hymns with pride anymore. He isn't bragging about his Christian service. Peter has reached a point where in his humility, he is all of a sudden being very careful what he says. In fact, he is careful to admit with humility, I'm not everything that I should be. Do you remember how we just pointed out? Do you love me with that deep, deep love? And he's saying, yeah, Lord, you want me to be at the agape point. I'm not there yet. I still have room to grow. And so he's, he's responding, I, 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 I'm not all that you want me to be. I'm not all that you expect me to be. Can any of you in this room relate to Peter at that moment? That I'm not everything that God wants me to be? You know, that's humility to say, I've got a lot of growing to do. I, I'm not where I ought to be. I, I want to love the Lord more than what, I, than what I do during the week. In fact, Jesus kind of reminded Peter, you've got growing to do. Because he calls him by his old name. Simon, son of Jonas. Doesn't call him by Peter at this moment. He reminds him, this is, you know, this is your weakness. You've blown it. You're an imperfect person. You've stumbled. You've fallen flat on your face. But if you're humble, I've got a job for you. I've got a job for you as long as in humility. You don't think you as the parent have all the answers. You know how, you know how it goes in our lives? This is me. This is my pride. Years ago, I had a series that I called Ten Commandments That Parents Ought to Follow. Then as time goes by, Ten Suggestions Parents Ought to Follow. Then as time goes by, ten feeble thoughts that parents ought to follow. Why? Because as we go through it, what happens? We learn we don't have the answers. Man, I, I tell you, Deb and I knew how to raise kids before we had them. Yeah. And we know how everybody else should have raised their kids, but then we got our own. Isn't that the way the Lord teaches us at times? It's the same thing in our lives that so often we get caught up. We know how it should be done. Until all of a sudden we're in the task. And humility says, Lord, I've got to grow. I've got to grow. So, number one, you want to be successful? Even if you stumble, be humble. Even if you stumble, and we all will, be humble. 
Be humble enough to run to the Lord and say, I've blown it. I need you, Lord. Help me through. Then there's number two. The number two thought is even if you're curious, seek to be serious about the Lord. Watch what we mean by this. Peter doesn't argue this time, but it is interesting what he says in the next verses. Verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, unto Peter, when you were young, you girded yourself, you walked whither you would. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth your hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death Peter should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, Jesus said unto Peter, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom the Lord loved, that's John, the Apostle John, who is writing this book, following, which also leaned on the breast of Jesus at the supper, he said, uh, and had said, Lord, who is that that betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry until I come, what is that to you? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among all the brethren that that disciple should never ever die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, He shall not die, but if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things. It's John. The whole point is this. Now again, Peter isn't arguing. But Peter is... You know, Peter's one of those guys that he kind of sticks his nose in other people's business. Did you ever run into somebody like that? That they just, they, they have to know, what about other people? What about them? What about them? What about them? So Peter is curious at this moment. And so he asks, he asks you know, about what's happening. And Jesus has told Peter what's going to happen to him. And Peter wants to know what's going to happen to John. And the point is, Jesus is telling him, you just worry about yourself. And Jesus gives Peter two commands in what we just read. They're similar, but they're a little bit different. They sound alike, but they're very emphatically different. In the first one, he just says very simply, follow me. Then when he repeats it a second time, he puts emphasis, you follow me. Very emphatic. And by the way, they're commands. Both both times he says this. He says, you keep on, no matter what, you have got to follow me. And don't worry about what John does. You follow me. Just whatever I do with John, that's okay. You get busy following me. And keep doing this over and over and over again. What's interesting as you go through this and start thinking what Jesus has just said. I want you, Peter, you to follow me no matter what the cost. And he's already told him the cost. He says, what you're going to do, Peter, in the weeks ahead, months ahead, years ahead, you're going to lose your freedom. When you were young, you could dress, you could do whatever you wanted. You, You picked out your own clothing. But in the future, you're going to be arrested, your hands are going to be bound, and somebody else is going to give you a striped suit. You're not going to be able to choose things anymore. You don't have the freedom to choose where you go, what you eat. You're going to lose something, and it's going to happen because you followed me. And you're going to experience some persecution. And so there's going to be this loss of freedom. And you're going to lose eventually your own life. But even if you do, Peter, I want you to follow me, even whatever the cost may be. I want you to follow me no matter how long the journey is. I don't want you to just follow me this week. I don't want you to follow me until I ascend into heaven and then go back to fishing. I want you to follow me and keep on following me from now until you're an old man. Whatever old is, I know that one of the kids this past week informed us that 30 years is old. Okay, so a lot of you just joined my ranks. Thank you. 
So whatever this old is, Peter, you're going to follow me no matter what. When you get old, and I expect you to keep on following. By the way, may I put it out? God expects you to keep on following no matter what your age. Even if you're old, you're a high school senior. Even if you're old, you just graduated from college. Even if you're really old, you got married. And then you're really ancient because now you have kids. And if you're really over the hill because you have reached... What age is over the hill? I'm not touching it. I'm, not, I'm leaving you, uh, letting it up to you. 80. It comes from somebody who's 15 years younger. Okay. No matter how long, no matter what others do or don't do, you follow me. It's so, we are so quick in this day and age to do what everybody else wants, to do what everyone else does. But Jesus says, Peter, I don't, it doesn't make any difference. If others don't go visiting the widows, it doesn't make any difference, you do it. If others don't get involved with prayer, it doesn't make any difference, you do it. If others aren't sharing the word, that, don't worry, you do it. If others aren't, aren't following me in just a real, real focused time, it doesn't make any difference. You follow me. Now, let's flip it all the way over. What happens if others are blessed more than you? What if, what if Jesus is saying, John's going to be more blessed, he's going to have a longer life? Does it ever happen that we get caught up, that we say, well, I wish I had his blessings? God isn't giving me this. Preachers, my church isn't as big as his church. Their, their you know, congregation doesn't do things for me the way that congregation does. Does that ever happen in temptation, in preaching? I hear that it does. That all of a sudden we got people do it in business. People do it with families. That I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as I'm on top. And Jesus says, it doesn't make any difference if you're on top. It doesn't make any difference if, if he lives so long that he's there when I come back or not. You follow me. Doesn't make any difference if he's first string. You follow me. Doesn't make any difference if he's far more or she's far more uh, talented or get the better grades. Doesn't make any difference. You follow me. That's his point. His point is you may be curious about what happens with other people, but what you need to be is serious about following the Lord. About you following the Lord. You might be curious what God has for them, what God is doing there, how God is answering prayer. Doesn't make any difference. Are you following the Lord? That's his emphasis. You. You keep following me all the time, no matter what, no matter what's going on. No matter how the blessings fall. So here's what you keep in mind today. As you walk out, you keep in mind this. God uses ordinary people. Ordinary people like Peter, who was a regular fisherman. He didn't have all the training and the skill set. He didn't come from a family that had all the bloodline. He was a regular dude like you. And God said, I want to use you. I want to bless you. And I got an important job for you, Peter. That job he's passed on, similar job to others who are in ministry preaching. He's passed on other responsible jobs like teaching, like parenting. He's given other responsible jobs like impacting your roommate, sharing the gospel with somebody. You're sharing his gospel with somebody that God has put in your life. Wow. What an important job that God has connected you with somebody at work or at school so that you could reach them. Big job. God's made and given you an important task. God's given you an important task of trying to reach somebody at work and impacting them and influencing them. Wow, God has blessed some of you with some of the most amazing mission fields right here in this county. 
And he says, I've given you this big job and you can be successful. I'll make you successful because wherever you go, I will be there. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Peter, I will be with you at all times. Do you remember the legend that goes around about great pianist? Polish pianist, and I can't even say the name. And Paderewski was there doing a, a fundraising for relief in, in Germany do, during the occupations where there was the uh, Nazis coming in and putting people in the ghettos. And so he came through, one the story goes, that he came through a Midwestern town. And while he was taking a break, all of a sudden some kid, people were visiting like this during the intermission, some kid wandered up on the platform who played piano. He did chopsticks or twinkle, twinkle, little star, about that level. This little kid came up and started playing. Well, the audience was aghast that a child would get up and walk up to the front and start playing the piano during intermission. And people started yelling, get that child off there, get him out of there. Paderewski saw and came walking out. And he just leaned over and he said to the boy, keep playing, keep playing. And over his shoulders, he started making this masterful piece of music behind whatever the boy was doing. And when it was all done, they gave him a standing ovation. Can God all of a sudden reach over your shoulders and make out of our twinkle, twinkle, little star, chopstick, something wonderful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter, I can use you. And Peter goes out in the first message he preaches. How many get saved? 3,000. Wow! God used Peter, the fisherman who blew it. But because he was humble and then because he was serious about following Christ. And so we come to that conclusion that says, hey, wait a minute. Well, God can use us. God can bless us as parents. God can bless us as what I, what I would do here, what you're going to do at campuses, how you're going to reach your family, how you're going to be able to minister in ways, as long as you're humble and as long as you are serious enough that you just keep playing, keep playing, keep playing, I will use you. Now the question that we have to ask ourselves is this. Are you humble? And about the time we say yes, we're no longer humble. But seriously, are you humble enough to admit that you're a sinner? Are you humble enough that you are no longer arguing with Christ? Are you humble enough that you stop comparing yourself with others? Are you humble enough to say, I want God to bless others more than he even blesses me? I don't care. I drop the jealousy. Are you humble enough to admit where you've drifted away from the Lord like Peter did and you need to get right with the Lord? Then what you do is you follow him. You follow him and watch what God can do. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and we bow before the Lord. And this is our serious, humble moment for worship. When in all seriousness and humility, we ask and say, God, what do you see in my heart? Do you see in my heart real humility right now? God, do you see in my heart right now a seriousness of following you. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and maybe you're here this morning and you don't know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. I want to first of all give you that opportunity. We have staff who have gone to the side door of the auditorium, to the right, your right of the auditorium. And there they are, they're waiting to show you from the Bible what you need to do to make sure that you in humility have bowed and asked Christ to be your Savior. While the pianist just plays a hymn of dedication, consecration, 
You just feel free to get up, walk over there, and talk with somebody at that door, one of the men, one of the ladies, in private, to make sure you're on your way to heaven. While others may be doing that, you, child of God, those of you who know you're born again, does God see real humility in your heart right now? Does God see seriousness of following him right now? If not, you'd say, Pastor, God knew I needed to be rebuked this morning, and I need to make some changes. So, Pastor, I'm going to ask you, with all seriousness, to pray for me. Not by name, but to just pray for me as an individual as that person that really seriously this morning is taking a step of humility and seriousness because I want God to use me and I don't want to hold back. Here's my hand, Pastor. I'm lifting it up. Yes, 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 yes. Any others? Many others. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, you saw many hands go up this morning. I pray that you would just please help these individuals to be seriousness, to serious about their following you, to maintain humility, and help us to honor you, honor you enough that throughout this day we magnify you and this week we lift you up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.